Welcome to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs from Steadfast Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we show high-level executives and business owners why comprehensive financial planning and executive bonus structures don't have to be too good to be true. Keith draws on his experience in realistic financial planning, and expert guests share his two cents about academically-based financial planning that you have to hear to believe. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the My Two Cents podcast with Keith Beggs of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. COVID-19 is having a tremendous impact on the college experience, not just for current students, but for prospective students as well. Keith's guest this episode is Adam Blumenthal. Adam is the co-founder of the College Authority, a leader in helping parents and students navigate the college planning process. Today, Keith and Adam will discuss how COVID has disrupted and changed this experience and what parents need to be aware of as they start or move through the process. Great. Thank you, Patrice. Hey, Adam, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. I, I wish we could do this in office, but uh, like everything right now, right, we're doing, we're doing it virtually. So, um, well, let's jump in here, Adam. What are uh, the biggest changes or the biggest concerns parents are having right now due to the interruption of COVID when it comes to college planning? Keith, that's a great question. I get that. I think asked more now than ever, obviously, with their biggest concerns. It used to be about college admissions, financial aid. Now it's how's COVID affect college admissions, financial aid. I think there's a few big things families got to really concentrate on. Number one is college admissions deadlines are changing and each college is changing day by day. So um, that's number one. Number two, I hear this all the time. It's like, hey, Adam, I can't even go visit a college campus. Can't even step on college campuses. Some of them are closed or some of them are you could visit, but you can't go into any buildings. What do I do there? And then obviously a big thing is the AP test changes and everything that's going on with that. And is it even possible my kids, should they take AP classes or um, honors classes? Is that even going to matter? So if you want me to, I can kind of jump in a couple of quick little tidbits for each of those and, and help give some free advice to yeah, a couple yeah. families. Let's, I know if yeah, you're, la- you're listening, you're probably the same thing. Those. Sure. Yeah, um, let me a little bit on those for me. I think the biggest one to start is, hey, if you've got a junior, even a senior would be college campus tours. So um, again, they're open, they're closed. The summer they're all closed. Now they're opening. But you know, I talked to family just recently. They were at UCLA. They couldn't even physically go in any. You know, just walked around the campus, couldn't go anywhere. So um, one of the biggest things I tell every family is to go online and go virtual. And what I mean by go virtual is every college has a really good website that will kind of take you through a virtual, but there's a couple of little, I call it hacks that I think would be useful. One of them I would say is a website called YouVisit, Y-O-U-V-I-S-I-T.com. Mainly this was come out, we've worked with them in the past where parents of high school kids and even the high school kids themselves could go on there and actually physically walk through classrooms and physically using some virtual reality. Uh, And if you have those Oculus glasses, you know, for video gaming or anything, you could use those and they have a whole VR for Oculus as well, which is really, really cool because you feel like you're walking through it, but you can go get a really cool, it's not biased by the, and I'm not saying that in in a bad way from the college's website, but this is a third party website where you can physically virtually walk through um, the whole college campus and get that experience. So I think that's one of them. That's actually really cool. I had some interns a couple of years ago, actually 2015, have some trial VR goggles and they walked through UVisit back then. And in the last five years, the technology has kind of gone through the roof. It's really cool. 
so I think that's one solution on the virtual visits. Um, I think also a, a big one is when all the admission deadlines are changing, you have to be up on it. The high schools are helping with that. But again, if you're going virtual from high school, even you might not be able to sit with your high school guidance counselor. So going on to the colleges, specifically the colleges have done a nice job on their websites talking about their deadlines. For instance, May 1st traditionally is the deadline for um, most colleges. If you're going early ap action or early decision, again, if you're seniors, you're already in, into that right now. But if you're juniors, no, it's, it's beginning. A lot of them are starting in September, October, even November. And then there's many schools that have rolling admissions as well. So you just have to be flexible. And I think now with the whole COVID and everything's so fluid, just try your best to always check the websites of the colleges for their admissions deadlines because that's a big one. Um, last one, I, I think we hit on the AP testing. If you go to College Board and when, eight, you know, testing centers, they've talked about initially um, going from traditional face-to-face -face administered exams to doing virtual. They tested those last year and had some issues. Um, so it's all, you know, it's another fluid situation. But the idea I tell all of our families that are looking to go to the higher end schools, definitely treat it as if you're taking your honors courses, no different. Taking your AP tests, AP classes, no different. And continue to challenge yourself because admissions counselors always talk about, hey, how hard or how challenging is that um, class schedule for those students, for the kids that are applying to college? So always continue to take those honors and AP. I think the last thing, Keith, I would talk about, and we can maybe expand if you want to a little bit more, is on the SAT and ACT because that's probably a number one question families are talking about because every kid is like, I don't want to have to take the SAT yeah. anymore. I don't have to prep for it. So, so that is, that has come across a lot in our office of late. Um, so a lot of schools are not required standard or we're not requiring standardized testing anymore. There's a big push on that um, for equality or whatever the purpose or reasons is, it doesn't really matter, but that has been a big adjustment. So families are, are asking, do we still need to do them? Is there any benefit to taking the SAT, ACT or SAT? So uh, Adam, um, what is your opinion on this? No, I, I, you know, I get that asked so much. Um, so here's what I look at. I think everybody has experienced or even heard in the news, SAT and ACT test centers are closing due to COVID-19 outbreak. The confusion of what centers are closed, moved, or even reopened, then closed again. I've heard crazy stories of parents driving out of state because they heard something was open. They prep for it the next day. They they fly or even drive Saturday morning to go to a testing center, and they get there, and it closes, and they never knew about it you have to look at the most up-to-date information. So I'm a big fan of going right to the source. So College Board has a link on the top of their website explaining the most up-to-date information regarding rescheduled tests, make updates, refunds if you paid for it and, it and it did. So go there, number one. Again, in addition, it's important to keep up-to-date on which colleges are doing the waiving the SAT and ACT requirements for the next few years for their incoming class. Again, even if a school says it's test optional or they're not asking for the SAT or ACT, they're waiving it. That's like a, a green light for your kids to be like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to study for it. I don't have to <laughs> prep for it. I don't have to stress, which is true, but not true. It is true because that's one thing, but some schools will still allow you to put, give them your scores. If you score well, it's only going to help you. And what most families don't realize is a lot of colleges, not every one of them, but a lot of colleges are, are still using the SAT and ACT scores to help with the merit-based aid versus the merit versus the need-based aid. And what that means is if you're, think about it as like a pool of applicants, 
last couple of years, you know, that pool is huge. And depending on what your score is, you might get a little piece of the merit-based financial aid pie. Now all of a sudden, half, if not even two thirds of the kids aren't taking it because they don't have to. Well, if the schools are still giving out merit-based aid because they have no other way to kind of judge based besides GPA and resume, which kids are the kids they want to bring to their school and not, the kids that are showing the initiative to continue to prep and then take the SAT and ACT if they're able to, it's a much smaller pool with just the same, if not more financial aid available, merit-based. So I'm always telling, I know kids don't want, if they're listening to this, don't want to hear about it, but if you've got a, a sophomore, a junior, even a senior that is telling you they don't have to take the SAT or ACT, I think you can let them understand that, hey, this could equal scholarship money. So it's definitely worth prepping for it and then trying your best to take it. No, that, that's great information. And, and for those of you listening um, that don't know this, uh, Adam's got a, a company that helps students with this, helps them find the right colleges or universities that match up with their needs, helps them with the application process. They've been a huge benefit uh, to our business. Um, we work with a lot of families um, who are looking for opportunities to get their kids in their, their dream school, right, as, as you may say, and then figuring out the best way to pay for it. And so um, we always handle a lot of the money side, but in terms of the college admissions process and all those things, Adam's team has been a great resource for us. And so if you have any questions on that, you can reach out to us and we'll help you. But let's switch over and talk a little bit about the money side, right? Uh, college costs have continued to rise even during a pandemic, right? <laughs> and even yeah, with a lot sure. of the, with the campuses closed, we have not seen the reduction in college costs that everyone keeps sitting around and praying for. So what are some of a parents' biggest concerns right now? How do they maximize aid in a pandemic? Is it different than they did beforehand? I don't think it's different. I think it's actually they need to even buckle down even more to get the right information. And I think a theme today should be go right to the source, do your best to not just there's too many rumors out there. I, I know I contribute to um, a lot of news and radio and all that kind of stuff. And half my job is like, what are myths about financial aid? How do I debunk <laughs> right. those? You know, so a couple myths I kind of run into a lot is I make too much money, parents tell me, or my child's not a great student, or I own a home and all those kind of things. No, those are all pretty much a myth. You know, make too much money. It, again, it doesn't, you always fill out the financial aid forms. You always fill out the FAFSA, which is the free application that's on, online. That opens up, the FAFSA opens up October 1st. And, you know, there's a myth that, oh, if you don't have it in by October 1st, you're not going to get any money. I'm like, no, that's not it. It is traditionally first come, first serve with the buckets of money. But again, if you get it in, you want to get in as early as possible, but you don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to miss any deadlines. I think I saw a stat recently. There's about $254, or $254 billion of total financial aid grants is available. But if you don't know where or how to get it, that's a big issue. And if you don't apply for it, you're 100% not going to get it. So it doesn't really hurt you to apply to do the FAFSA for you and do it as early as quickly as possible. Uh, a couple other things I think is is really important. You know, we talk about my child's not a great student. If you're talking about need-based financial aid, which is what you're looking for by filling out the FAFSA, it does not matter the grades of your student. This is based on need. The merit-based financial aid I talked about with the SAT and ACT before, that's going to go off of scores on those board tests. It's going to go, you know, there's other scholarships available, endowment money from schools that go into um, GPAs, that go into board scores, that go into resumes and all that. But the FAFSA and then the CSS profile, which is additional paperwork that some of the higher end schools, private schools, and, and some of the high end 
public schools are going to ask for just more paperwork. But the, the reality is that paperwork's worth it. You know, try your best. You might just get some financial aid just for throwing it out. So don't make a mistake on it. Don't miss a deadline, but try your best to uh, get your FAFSAs and CSS profiles done as quickly as possible. Uh, and again, there's a lot of firms like ours out there that could help you with it. If you don't need the help, some people are, you know, more accounting types that are like, hey, this is easy, but majority of the families pretty challenging and that's what scares away the family. So definitely don't get scared away. At least fill it out. The worst thing is going to happen that you don't get any financial aid. Best thing has happened. You're going to lower that cost to pay for college. Definitely. And, and and something else that we hear a lot in our office, Adam, and I'll let you kind of clear it up is do you fill your FAFSA out just one time before your freshman year? Or do, is that something that has to be done every year? So what happens is most people, it's been confusing because there's some changing over the years, but a couple of years ago, it changed to what's called the prior, prior year. So up until recently, a couple of years ago, you would fill out the FAFSA on January 1st. It would open up. And let's just fast forward and say my son's a senior this year and your January 1st, 2021, you'd be filling it out. Well, in previous years, you would be using 2020's tax returns, and some most people didn't even have their tax returns done yet because it just opened up, so they're doing estimates, and then they had to kind of change it down the road. It just became a complete cluster for the colleges and, and the families. So a few years back, they they changed the, the deadline to October, I mean, the opening of it to October 1st, and they used a prior year's tax return. So let's just say my son's a senior this year. Um, I'm filling out that I've already filled out the financial aid forms for my family, but I'm using 2019's tax returns versus 2020's. So that's why it's called the prior, prior year. So what happens though is now all of a sudden, let's fast forward next year, my son goes to UCLA. He's in going into his sophomore year of college because of COVID, I lost my job or because of something else, my situation changes. You fill out the financial aid forms every single year. That is definitely a big mistake families um, do is they fill out one time, their situation changes and they never reapply for financial aid and don't update the schools on what happened or what their situation looks like. So the goal is every single year, you're going to renew your financial aid forms and you're going to fill it out again. And that gives your yourself a chance to let the schools know what the difference is. Yeah, I think I think a lot of parents where families forget about that. Um, they don't do it every year. Then they either lose the money they were getting, or like you mentioned, especially with everything going on with COVID right now, you may have not gotten aid previously that you might be available to you now, or you might qualify for now. So just because you haven't got yeah. it in the past, don't not do it in the future. Um, you need to do it every year. That's your best opportunity because less kids may apply. There might be more money. This Absolutely. There's a lot of Absolutely. things out there that uh, that can change. Keith, I would say one thing you hit on too, which is a great point, is number one, do it every single year. Number two, if your situation changes, and because you're doing it on last year's 2019's tax returns, most families probably are hurting a lot, did a lot better in 2019 than they did in 2020 based on COVID if it affected them. So that you're filling out forms and you're not really getting a chance to say, hey, by the way, my income's not the same, or hey, by the way, my situation's changed. So there is an appeals process and every school is a little different. And I think that's where our firm really helps in not only take the time off of it, but also helps in regards to clarify what specifically, how to specifically communicate the colleges, the, and appeal your financial aid award offer. And then, you know, there's things called special circumstance letters that you could write, letting them know that either job loss or if there's medical bills or whatever that might be, 
there's a specific way you can, I would say, negotiate with the colleges to help them understand your situation. That's a little bit different than just the numbers. Because right now you're a social security number and you're an AGI and your assets to the school. You got to, you know, get off of that and let them know, hey, there's a person and a family behind this. And this is what the situation is. And I think the appeals and negotiations process is something where you get a chance to show the school, hey, what is the why behind my numbers? No doubt. And it has been one of the, the biggest impacts for the families that we've partnered with together on. Um, I mean, we've seen ten to $15,000 additional additional grants or, or money from the school on an annual basis for families just by going through that process. And uh, it, it's just been a huge asset for our team to, to be involved with you guys and then for our families uh, to have access uh, to your guys' knowledge of the college admission process and, and, and the financial aid process. And, and, and what we can do to get, get the funds from the school. Adam, we're going to wrap up here. Tell me, is there one thing that I did not ask about or what, one last tidbit or a piece of advice that we want to give to parents or students right now who are, are looking at universities where we're starting to apply for college? I think the big thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. So many people have you know, so much pride and be like, oh, when I went to college, I didn't have to do any of this. Or when I did this, I did that. Well, it's... 10x the, the cost of college from when you and I went to school or whatever it might be. <laughs> so, you know, look to firms like ours to help you on that. Also, Keith is an expert on, you know, I always say, hey, every family's got their fair share to pay for college. You've got to try and lower it with financial aid and merit-based, need-based financial aid as possible, but you still got a fair share to pay. Keith and his team will really help you develop a plan to help you maximize financial aid, but a smarter, better way to pay that fair share of college. And that might be, you know, lower interest rate, rate loans. It might be smarter financial products, whatever it might be. You know, we're experts in our lane, you know, Keith and his team are experts as well. And I think don't be afraid to ask for help because, you know, that's where most of the families make their biggest mistakes is assuming something in this whole process. Uh, the huge concern for most families is how do we pay for this without uh, divulging or just, erasing what we've saved for retirement. <laughs> um, you know, how do we take care of our kids and ourselves at the same time? For sure. And the one thing I always, I use a bad joke, but I say, Hey, you don't want to overpay for college by 30, 40, $50,000 over four years. They're not even going to name a library after you, you know, and, and that's what hits <laughs> home for, for a lot of the families. They're like, listen, you're over, you don't have to, but you're overpaying and, you know, working with Keith and his team. And then with us, you're able to at least identify that, hey, I'm not going to make the same mistakes my neighbors or my friends have. Right. Well, Adam, I, I appreciate your time. For those that you don't know, I've, I've been a partner or a, a friend of Adam's now for a number of years. Myself and, a, and another gentleman in his office were able to co-author a book about college funding. It's called The Secrets of a College Financial Aid Expert. If you'd like a copy of that um, book. It's a quick read. There's some great information in there, though. Um, you could reach us. Uh, my email is Keith at steadfastws.com. That's S-T-E-A-D-F-A-S-T-W-S.com. You can find us at steadfastws.com on the web, uh, where you could give me a call, 832-506-9034. I want to thank Adam Blumenthal again, our guest. He's the co-founder of the College Authority. Uh, a number of high schools and universities around the country use him for his advice and for his help with families. And uh, it's just been a privilege of mine to, to get to know him, to be a friend of his, and to get to uh, do business together. So again, Adam, thank you for your time. If you have any questions um, out there, please feel free to reach out to us. Thank you guys very much. Keith, thank you. I appreciate it.
Well, someone should definitely name a library after you two. I'll tell you, you just created a must-listen for parents of college-bound students, gentlemen. Thank you. Adam Blumenthal, co-founder of the College Authority and Keith Beggs of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. Make sure to listen to all episodes of Keith's podcast, My Two Cents. It's easy. Just use the subscribe button on this page, and you can also share with the share button. Thank you for listening to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All securities discussed are offered and provided through Steadfast Financial Planning, LLC. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and or qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This podcast is not intended to provide specific investment, financial planning, tax, or legal advice. It is intended for educational purposes only. Please consult your tax advisor, financial advisor, or legal professional for specific advice on your specific situation.